If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is not Richard Dreyfus, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie Podcast at 430movie.com. Hey, are you Darren Docterman from the 430 Movie? Why, why, yes, I am. Well, I recognize you because I have the Electric Now app, and I get to see all these great Electric Surge podcasts on video for the first time ever. I'm delighted. I'm delighted that uh, you came up to me and said hello. Well, I got to tell you, how can I watch all these incredible podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The Best Movies Never Made, and uh, other things? Well, you can find us on uh, Distro and on uh, uh, the Electric Now app. And Stir. And Stir, see, I, stir I, I knew you knew it. I did know. Because I'm not really a stranger <laughs> on the street. I'm Mark A. Altman, your co-host. <laughs> Well, maybe I should have been watching these podcasts all along. I would have recognized you. <laughs> Join us on Electric Now, currently streaming on Distro TV and Stir, and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Well, welcome, because every beginning has an ending. Every ending had a beginning. And today, <laughs> and we're going to talk have about both an ending and a beginning. Star Trek endings and beginnings. And who better to do that with than our special guest, returning Ashley E. Miller. Welcome back, Ashley Miller. Thank you for having me. Uh, our pleasure. I'm excited. Always good to about hear about the beginning and the, the end. And Not beginning so could be a very delicate time. time. Yes. And uh, once again, returning guests, we're so happy to have them. Um, a, couple of, a couple of months ago, you may recall, they came to talk about Star Trek comics. That was a really fun and lively discussion. We also had uh, a wonderful discussion of Harlan Ellison's City of Forever at the Long Beach Comic Con, which only those of you who are in the audience will ever get to hear. <laughs> Special, very limited edition of the podcast. <laughs> but all things must end. That's right. <laughs> Bill couldn't come to that one, so <laughs> it all got botched. Lost to the ages. So uh, anyway, I want to welcome, a very special welcome to David and Scott Tipton, the Tipton brothers as we know them. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And the boys... Um, who have done so many great Star Trek comics? They have the uh, the Q conflict, which uh, brings Trelane and Q, the the uh, the odd couple you never knew you wanted, but are going to be so thrilled to have in a special uh, collection, graphic novel collection that makes an excellent stocking stuffer if your stocking is really big and you have square feet <laughs> and, you have, and, you have, and you have square feet. Yes. So if you're looking for a holiday gift. Don't forget the paperback edition of the 50-year mission. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> if you're looking for a holiday gift uh, this holiday, um, the, the, the Q Conflict from uh, IDW by uh, Scott and uh, David, or David and Scott. From the makers of the P Conflict. <laughs> Don't get it mixed up. Except no substitute. So, um, anyway. so uh, And for those of us who read it in its individual issues, congratulations. It's super... super you know, those kind of mashups always sound like, they always sound great, 
when you hear about them, but then the execution is the challenge, and you guys right. did yeah, it tell beautifully. Us about them. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. since Superman and Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought I'd talk to you about not making jokes when I'm drinking. <laughs> I can't help that you're always drinking. Uh, <laughs> wow, this is just like growing up in my house. <laughs> you be quiet and eat. <laughs> I mean, I can't even. I can't. Anyway, whatever. So we're going to talk about endings and beginnings. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it's a good question. What does it mean there? No, what it means is we're going to talk about uh, the best and worst Star Trek pilots and finales. Hmm. The end of a legend has begun. Seven years of brutal conflict is escalating to one explosive showdown. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the final chapter. Get ready for a month of exhilarating action, breathtaking drama, and riveting suspense. The Dominion will prevail. At the edge of the galaxy, one crew was the last line of defense. In the name of freedom, they fought with their lives. Now, it all comes down to this. Attack pattern Delta. One epic battle. Fire. Two merciless enemies. And a federation on the edge of defeat. We can't keep taking these kinds of losses, sir. Not if we expect to win this. Now, the fate of an entire galaxy rests on the shoulders of one captain and his courageous crew. Adversaries become allies. Our enemy is the Dominion, and not each other. Friends become foes. And murder, treason, and deceit become the cruelest weapons of war. For seven years, their destinies took them places they never imagined. The Dominion breed Jem'Hadar faster than we can destroy them. Now the day of reckoning is upon them. For the sake of duty and honor, these valiant heroes will stand together one last time. One crew, one fight for freedom, one historic television event. We will succeed! Prepare for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the final chapter. Best Star Trek pilots and finales, and, right. and why they're significant, and and uh, what was interesting about them. So uh, you know, we've done all kinds of stuff. Guilty pleasures. We started the new season with Academy of the uh, Overrated, which was right. that was super fun, and. Um, uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, beginnings and endings. So I'm going to I'm going to look to you guys um, when you <laughs> when, when, take take a let's start with endings. Let's start yeah. with endings. Why don't we start with, with the endings? endings? Let's start with the ending. So I know for you guys it had to be Turnabout Intruder would be your favorite. What does your telepathic mind tell you now? I believe you. I shall not withdraw a single charge that I have made, and I shall do everything in my power against you. Just mute me! Dr. McCoy, sorry, but I'm going to have to take you off the case. On this ship, my medical authority is final. I won't allow it. It's done. Security guard! Attention all personnel. First Officer Spock has been placed under arrest on the charge of mutiny. Then, Doctor, that's the time we move against him. We'll have to take over the ship. We're talking about mutiny, Scotty. 
That's enough. We know what was said. Enough to convict you of conspiracy with mutineers. And you're so charged. The sentence, death. The execution will be immediate. Right. See, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't like to think that's an ending. It didn't end as much as it just stopped. <laughs> that was not the best way to go out. No? <laughs> Little bit of a little bit of a whimper there <laughs> for the original know. series. What would Scott Mann say about that? I don't know. Go boldly. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, we did a podcast recently with Scott about the Star Trek 2009, and Scott is renowned for his enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. And so he just you know he, he, you watch wa- you know watch him go, and he just gets so passionate. So I'm just wondering if like we said to him, he says, Scott, you know you know Star Trek got three seasons, it ends with Turnabout Intruder. What do you think? Oh, it's great. It's great. Giant Lester. Kirk is a woman. I mean, what's that performance? We've never seen that before. (laughs) Star Trek stories had become so stale with Kirk not being a woman. Until finally, in Turnabout Intruder, I was watching it and I was thinking, is is Kirk going to be a woman? And then I realized, okay, Kirk is going to be a woman for this episode. And then it was the end of the episode and he wasn't a woman anymore. (laughs) <laughs> the audacity <laughs> of Bill Shatner to play a woman and, and to do it so well. You know, I mean, that's not easy. <laughs> the funny thing is, the the TV Guide blurb for that episode actually talks about William Shatner's amazing performance. I just remember that because every time it showed up, I, I went, oh, now, okay. Now, we all know I'm a huge it's fan a star of Bill. Turn. I believe Bill can do no wrong, but... I got to tell you, this is mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, we, 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 you know, we, <laughs> I, I have to confess that one is kind of on my list along with, um, I forget the other title with the, the, the singing hippies. Oh, this way. Right. Right. I don't like a title like, I'm sorry, yeah, I can't remember the title. Brother. So I haven't watched it that much, but one thing I do remember about Turnabout Intruder is, you know, as, as crazy as Shatner kind of is. The actor actress playing Jazz Lester is pretty good. Yeah. She actually kind of, I can't say saves the episode, but she no, kind of leans into yeah. it. She's playing Captain Kirk, and yeah. she's doing it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's doing it pretty yeah. well. Must have been your lifelong ambition. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't bring that movie into this. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I, you know, it's... Uh, it's funny you bring up the way to Eden because technically that's not an ending. All you could have said it almost killed Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was the beginning of the end. <laughs> but you know, recently one of our our, our um, listeners on Twitter had said, you know, we're making a passionate case for the way to Eden. I don't know if you saw that. I did. And he said, why don't you? You guys should really look at it again and reappraise it because it's not. And I, you know, I thought to myself, you know, it's probably been a good ten, fifteen years since I watched that episode. The flowers, sir. I touched it. It's like fire. Aurora, cut power. You are overtaxing your ship. Explosion is imminent. You've caused an interstellar incident which may have destroyed everything that's been negotiated. You've got a hard lip, Herbert. What is your destination? The planet Eden. And why did you stay away? Because you disapproved of me. How do you know what I want? You're young. Come, join us. You make it tempting. Dr. Severin is insane. Captain, it seems as though someone else is running the ship. That's right. Someone else is running this ship. I am. Captain, they're using... 
his name was Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 okay. I think the last time I watched it, Paulson. the last time I watched it was when they did the new visual effects. You know, when they right. they in syndication. Yeah. And, yeah, they did the last time I watched all, all seventy nine. So it's probably been ten, fifteen years. I said, okay. You know, guy made made a good case. He said there's a lot more there that maybe you 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 don't. Have. And so I watched it. This was probably a couple of weeks ago. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really awful. Yeah, it doesn't get any better. And um, uh, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, first of all, I I don't understand. You know, I hate when you cast the same actor in a different role. Mm-hmm. So of you know. Not only do you have Charles Napier doing all these ridiculous songs, right? But you have, um, have Skip Homeyer. But you have Skip Homeyer, yeah. uh, You know who who with those really those ears used to freak ears me out as a kid. Cauliflower ears. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 they still freak me out to yeah. this day. And you know he had already been in Paris of Force, so I'm like, no, that's John Gill's, you know, the Gestapo. That's his Hamler. Oh, yeah. It's like you know, it's 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 Melicon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also dated in a way that Turnabout Trudor isn't dated so much. Turnabout right. Trudor was still trying to do something at the time that was a little daring and interesting in right. a way. It might, might not have been well well conducted, but then I think that's what that's what the other episode doesn't have. It, it, it's dated, and, and you feel like this is a, a, a weird skewed version of the '60s that now we're trying to digest now. <laughs> right. That that is exactly I think it's, the problem. It it, it it feels like it was made in the sixties. It's yeah. it's older people's interpretation yes. of what hippies <laughs> yes. were. Yeah. And I, those ears are not served well by high def either. No. <laughs> I kept expecting I yeah, I know. I kept expect, expecting, you know, Kirk to be like Brad Pitt and once upon a time in Hollywood, damn hippies. And it's so funny. But Spock we reach because he's cool. Right. Spock is cool. Spock is the hipster. Yeah. Spock is Spock is yeah. the hipster. He he rocks out with them, he jams yeah. with them. He's the cool lit teacher. Yeah. He, he gets to you know, he gets to uh, play the Vulcan right. harp along with the guy who's playing the bicycle wheel. Now, I will say, <laughs> we're sitting here going for the easy laughs, but there, this guy who said this is not wrong in that there is the germ of an interesting idea in that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea is they were looking for a paradise because the world has become too um, uh, technology, too too dominated by technology. Right. They're breathing recycled air. They're eating a reconstituted food, all this stuff, and and they're looking to go back. So in in a way, that episode is almost more relevant to today, where we're like going back and eating organic foods and not trying to, you know, uh, all the stuff we're discovering that we thought, you know, the plastic packaging that's bad for. I mean, it, it, there is actually something really interesting in that episode, which is not at all addressed in an interesting no. way in the episode, mm-hmm. but, and it also has a great view of this of the shuttlecraft. Oh, it's so. <laughs> For that reason alone, yeah. I can't call that the worst yeah. episode yeah. because, oh my God, yeah. the, the shellcraft looks so great yeah. oh, on that planet, on, on Eden. On Eden, yes. I love that. I love that ship. See? I love that ship. That is so. I, they should made the whole episode just them stranded, <laughs> sitting in front of that shuttlecraft. Sort of like when you turn on the Yule log on right. Netflix, yes. like, yeah. on Christmas time. On you just Netflix, watch it, you know? dude. On Netflix, I used to watch the Yule log as a kid on this Channel Eleven, the same yeah. channel I watched Star Trek on. On Netflix, <laughs> Yule log. Who watches the Yule log on Netflix? Today. You kids, kids today, today with your streaming like, things. Yeah. I loved the Yule log growing up. <laughs> but I, you know what I really loved? Shuttlecrafts on planets. Yeah. <laughs> 24 hours it's the best it. thing about Galileo 7, too. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so, guys, sorry. <laughs> what does so, this have to do with the beginning Tuna boat intruder. <laughs> we, we were talking about worst endings. 
and then and I jumped in with this turnabout intruder thing, and then it got out of hand. So, what 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 do you want to what do you think for you is sort of a show that didn't stick to landing? Well, you want to TF on it first because I'm sure I have the same answer. No, you get started. It's it? uh, it's the ending of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that that was give us a bad ending for the entire run of, of the previous what fifteen years. Yeah. Can I ask yeah. you a question? I will. Actually. That is a question. I will ask you. <laughs> yes. One down. Yeah, I feel like the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how's it going? Now, do you not like that episode because you were Enterprise fans and you felt like it wasn't an Enterprise episode, or do you genuinely just not like the episode? Because I think there are two answers to that question. I think. I can understand why Enterprise fans are grieved because it's not an Enterprise episode. It's like the lost episode of Next Generation. On the other hand, it's not a horrible episode. So I'm curious to see what, what I don't, you don't like, like it for either one of those reasons. Okay. <laughs> it's both of those reasons. I, it does a disservice to people who are fans of the show, and I think it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you've watched the whole thing. So I've just been watching Holdeck Simulation for the past hour and maybe for the last few years. Right. <laughs> And I think that's why a lot of people were really dissatisfied with it. See, it doesn't bother me because I wasn't watching Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the finale and I'm like, oh, hey, next gen, great. <laughs> I think that was the thing is that the final season had been so much better. I really enjoyed that last season. It, it felt so much more like Star Trek to me. And then we find out it's ending and we get the finale and... It's, it felt like somebody else just came in and just nudged them out of the way to tell one more next gen story. But just imagine how bad it would have been if Shatner had been in it. What do you what do you mean if Shatner had been in it? Shatner was asked to play the yeah, they were talking to him the, about the chef. No, but the, that wasn't the, for that episode. Wasn't it? No, no. I, we gotta get Mike Sussman back on the show. <laughs> because uh you know, that that was gonna be instead of in 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 and the Mirror Mirror episode. That was gonna be earlier in the season. Oh, it wasn't oh, for the oh, finale. Oh. It was gonna well, be much earlier. Still it would have been horrible if Shatner was in there. <laughs> <laughs> As a woman. As a woman. Yeah. <laughs> a <Not> woman. That. <laughs> that, you know, look, and obviously that's an offensive part of Turnabout Intruder because it's Janice, Janet Lester's perception that a woman could not be a captain right. of Starfleet. But obviously, it's a very regressive we've, idea. We've, we've known for years that women have, have for a long time, yeah, so been... So it's in her twisted mind. Yes. But, of course, there are plenty of women who are Starfleet captains. In her twisted captains. female mind, I believe, is the line. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame because Star Trek, which was, you know, lauded for its progressive social values, this is sort of the one one of the episodes that really, unfortunately, shows its time. Shows is a pro- it dates the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, and it's unfortunate because it didn't need to happen. But I, I don't think that really, even though Roddenberry came up with the story for it, I still think it's a Fred Freiger, Freiberger, Arthur Singer special. You know, right. like I don't think, I, I don't think that comes from Gene. I think that that comes from Fred Freiberger and Arthur Singer. You know, maybe, who, maybe. I don't it, know. it does feel a bit more like a, a TV trope. Where it's like let's have them swap bodies. Right. It's, it's like a Freaky right. Friday or a Bewitched thing. Yeah, definitely. Sam, you know, it, it could have worked. <laughs> it could have worked as a comedy. Well, it kind of does work. <laughs> <as a comedy. laughs> Unfortunately, that's the only way it does. Yeah. Okay. So, so you didn't like the the Enterprise finale, um, and uh, which was a take on Pegasus, right? Wasn't it? I don't even remember the episode of Next Generation the, the, with the Defiant and. No, yeah. the, the the final episode is is um, they've come home and they're yeah. and they're about to enact the uh, the. And they have the big speech. The big speech yeah. from, from from Archer. From right, Archer. and that's what Riker wants to watch and right. we need to see Riker. Oh, right, yeah, Riker sure. Force gumping his way through every scene. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> 
<laughs> mugging for the camera. I, I love you know talking to Jonathan too. He's like, you know, it's like I didn't know if I should do the episode because it was so disrespectful of the Enterprise. But he said like they're offering me the, and you know, and Berman you know sold him as the whole idea. It's a love letter to all these years of Star Trek. Uh-huh. Not just Enterprise, you know, but everything you know that has come before it. Because it's going to be the last Star Trek and all this other stuff. Um, it's a dear John letter to all the fans <laughs> of Star <Yeah>. Trek. <laughs> like much of Enterprise, to me, it was well intentioned but boring. Mm. <laughs> so you're not not a fan either, I presume. Not not really, no. But yeah. like, but I also didn't find it mind bogglingly, like offensively awful. It mm-hmm. just sort of happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but I think um, I mean as an ending for Enterprise. Yeah, not great. That also didn't have a great beginning. But um, as an ending for, as, as one of you said, uh, you know, however many years of the next generation generation, like the the sort of the Berman era, mm-hmm. as as that as a conclusion for that, holy crap! Like you know, what a, a kind of a dumpster fire, honestly. Like that's that's <laughs> that's not how you want that to go out. Like the one-two punch of how like the Berman era of Trek goes out is Although, like is that episode and Nemesis? Are you kidding me? To be fair. The last, you know, three and a half minutes of it, um, with the the you know with the speech and and seeing all the various iterations of the Enterprise through the through the shows, um, being presented at a final you know moving off into the sunset, is actually a little bit emotional, and, and a little I, yeah, bit. And I think I've read before that. There was thought to making that not the final episode. In other words, mm-hmm. to, to, then that might have not made it seem like the whole series was a holodeck simulation. It right. might have been here's just a look back, and and that way you kind of could kind of see it as a love letter to the fans. But by ending it on, in the in the, the genuinely last episode of it, it made it sound like the continuity was well. This right. was all just part of the holodeck See, simulation. but they came up with a great idea when we realized that uh, Discovery wasn't entirely a holodeck simulation. It <laughs> <laughs> is not part of the canon. I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> big joke. I'm just observing. <laughs> You're not Blade Runner. It's a big joke. Um, okay, so... Uh, All right, so... Yeah, so, okay, so your pick... Bad. Your pick is uh, These Are the Voyages? Was that the name of the episode? Yes. These Are the Voyages. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, commonly referred to as ellipses. So, uh, uh, we go to you, Darren Docterman. Yes. Endings, Star Trek endings. The, the final episode of the Star Trek animated show. Is, oh uh, really? You don't like counter clock incident? No. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay. <laughs> wow. No, I think it's uh, I think it's one of those silly uh, cartoony ones. But you know, it was a cartoon. Oh. I kind of like it. <laughs> what do you, you guys What do you guys think? That has the 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 Goran in it, and right. Well, it's when no, they're, you're rapidly of, de-aging. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of the yeah, other they become one. You're kids, thinking the other one. And only yeah. Robert April, who's more seasoned. Okay, Robert right. April. It's a Robert April. Career, okay, his, all right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Can, 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 uh, you know, carrying the babies of Kirk and Spock around. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's some stupid stuff in it, but yeah. it's not awful. I mean, I like it has the, Robert April in it. Yeah, I liked it for the inclusion of April, just because I hearing that name, that I did in other stuff was cool. But yeah, it didn't have the kind of 
absolutely crazy stuff that I really enjoy seeing in animated series. You know, there's no... Yeah, I was thinking of Time Trap. Yeah, right. Time Trap is just nuts. Time Trap has the cocktail party with a gourd. Yeah, that's why I like Time Trap. Time Trap's just nuts. But yeah, comic books, yeah, and it doesn't really have a great ending for the run, I think, and that's a good point to make, too. That's what I mean. At Time Trap, they have to combine the Enterprise and the Klingon ship in order to escape. Or look at the Apollo Soyuz together. Yeah, Which happened at around the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time drive's fun. <laughs> yeah. And it has, you know, the the whole, the, the big long table of all the sort of captains. Uh, <laughs> and of, they all sound all the like ships. Jimmy Doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's crazy. That's a crazy idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So now, so you don't like, tell us why you hate uh, counterclock incidents. I thought I already did. No, you have much, must have more to say. Not really. No, because it's, it's look, I, I like, I like the fact that Robert April is in it and, and. You know, no matter what Roddenberry said uh, near the end, the animated series is canon because I agree. It, it came from Star Trek producers, it came from uh, Star Trek writers, and it's canon. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, Robert April and and his wife were sort of included. Um, but I, I just think the whole thing was kind of and you know white uh, uh, white space with black stars on it uh, was an interesting idea, but it. It just makes it look stupid. Now, I have a technical question for you, Darren. Yeah? So when we're talking about the animated series as, as being canonical, so something that has been, you know, kind of time-tested, time I think, for, for us, like, you know, when we're doing that little panel nobody goes to at uh, Comic-Con, Starship Smackdown, like, ships that we allow into that... No one goes... You realize he's being sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's extremely huge. well attended. It's huge. huge. It's huge. Uh, we don't allow ships into competition right. if they're animated because right. animation isn't real. But now you're arguing that the animated series is canon. So yeah. you're kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Are you saying that the animated series is both real canon and, and not real all at the same time? So you're saying we should pay more attention to the movies? Yeah. <laughs> um Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the stories and the uh, productions are canon as stories. But we still can't enter the animated enterprise. No, because it's into, not it's because not, it's not real. real. Okay. See, aren't you glad we chose this episode and not, <laughs> I, 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 not best and worst mealy mouth diplomats? <laughs> and plus, it was the only other ending episode of a Star Trek series that wasn't good. Because also... I think the other ones are good. That we haven't mentioned. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, right. you're a Trek expert. I guess I can't argue with you, but I don't think but, you're right. Well, what's, isn't that the whole damn point? Right. In, just in terms of whether or not animated series is canon, we have stuck Arex into every comic we can. Yeah. Arex is canon. Arex awesome. is awesome. <laughs> Mr. Arex is awesome. Yeah. MRS is Very good. But Arex is great. <laughs> yeah. No, I, look, I I wanted to see Eric's in the movie. I thought, you know, uh, yeah. they should have used him instead of Chekhov because I think the way they played Chekhov was sort of like over the top campy. Yeah. And like Mr. with CG, and they should have done he Mr. Eric. way cool. And it would have made yeah. sense to have it like an alien on the bridge, right. you know, with the technology today. Yeah. I was always disappointed. Arms, yeah. But he wasn't. So he's not in there. <laughs> Andy Circus was waiting for that call, man. Eric is coming. Yeah, right. <laughs> he can and do that. He can do the third arm. Oh my gosh! It's no more ridiculous than him playing Alfred. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the the funny thing is that Doug Jones in Discovery is basically yeah, Mr. Eric. Yeah. yeah. Minus the front arm. Yeah. <laughs> the front on his arm. face. That is what it's called. It's the front arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but never mind. Okay. <laughs> I, I I don't want to go there. I, I, yes, I, you do, but you don't. You're you're afraid. You're afraid. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I, you know what? I I think you know everybody has their Star Trek, sure. and we should respect everybody's love of whatever Star Trek they choose to embrace. I didn't disparage it. I merely stated that he was basically playing Mr. Eric's. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, <laughs> wonderful Academy Award-nominated actor. He should have been. Uh, yes. Okay, so, uh, moving on to Ashley. I, I like Counterclock Incident. I, I you know, I it's a ridiculous... Like thank you. I, it's a ridiculous premise, but, you know, I thought Relics was a ridiculous premise on Next Generation, and that was also executed fairly well for yeah. something so silly. Totally. It's like, you know, just because, I mean, something can have a, like, a really cool, interesting premise and turn out to be horrible a la Way to Eden. Um, or, you know, it can be just kind of silly and yet sure. fabulously entertaining. Like Yay, brother. Relics. But you're talking about endings. Okay. You're talking about Universal Armageddon. Okay, so 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 you didn't like Counterclockness that we get it. That's your pick. We can't convince <laughs> you otherwise. Um, so we're going to move on to, to Ashley Miller Okay. Uh, and, and hear what his pick for uh, worst Star Trek ending. Well, okay, I, I kind of let the cat out of the bag when I was railing against the Enterprise ending. Um, but, uh, okay, I, I've, I've talked about this before, but one of my my very best friends and I have this thing where whenever a Star Trek movie comes out, we have to go see it a number of times equal to its where it sits ordinarily, like, you know, in the, the list of, of Star Trek films, which, which began uh, when Star Trek VI was released mm. and we went to see like you know there was like a the sit long and prosper thing where yes. you like it was like the big marathon we yeah. went to that like in dc it was amazing um yeah man i watched nemesis 10 times in one weekend <laughs> our eyes reflect our lives don't they i can see as well as you can i can feel Everything you feel. In fact, I can feel exactly what you feel. He said he's a mirror for me. I need to know where the hell he came from. The same blood runs through our veins. It was as if part of me had been stolen. deactivate you. Why? Because you are dangerous. Look in the mirror. See yourself. I'm a mirror for you as well. Don't be so vain. Okay. F that movie. I was about to say, In the oh, eight, no, I see where this is going. That was terrible. That was like Ludovico Technique. That was like me sitting there like Malcolm McDowell going, oh, God, no. You know, I became a much better person, I guess, afterwards. But like, wow. oh, that movie is like there is. I'm trying to think if there's anything cool about it. I mean, I guess there are moments in the action that are like that are kind of interesting, like 
I think I kind of dig the Enterprise, like ramming into the scimitar, but just conceptually I dig that. But I want it to be attached to a much better movie. Like, I cannot believe... You don't like Picard off-road racing? No! I I can't (laughs) believe that they discover Tom Hardy and then waste him. How do you do that? That's like the end of, you know, History of Violence, you know, when uh, William Hersing... How do you that up? Like, how do you that up? You've got Tom Hardy playing like the Picard clone and like almost And credibly. you can actually understand his voice. Yeah, you totally can. There's <laughs> Picard. I just want to point a year after they did a Picard clone in um in the seventh season of Next right. Gen. Yeah, right. they do a Picard. Yeah. What is that? Like um that movie was a disaster on every level, and I think it was basically a payback to Stuart Baird, right, for saving the studio's asses on Laura okay, Croft. Well, right. here, here's what's so interesting about that movie, and it's the only thing that's interesting about that movie, is you have uh, two actors who are given an immense amount of power who weren't sure they wanted to come back. So, you know, basically, you know, Patrick and Brent come back based on them hiring John Logan because John Logan is a prestige screenwriter who loves Star Trek. Two things that don't normally go together, right? So, you know, oh, we got John Logan. He's going to write the greatest Star Trek movie ever. Okay. Then, so John Logan writes it. Huge fan. Has no idea how to write a Star Trek movie. Um, and, and then, yes, Sherry Lansing says, well, Stuart Baird has helped us out a lot on a couple of these movies, which were disasters at Paramount. He famous editor, amazing editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came in. He, he, he basically was a problem solver. You know, uh, you know, a doctor. You know, with scripts, it's script doctor. With I don't know what you call an editor who comes in and saves. But yeah. anyway, he came in and sa- saved a couple of movies for them. So the payback was he's looking to direct another movie. He'd done Executive Decision and uh, what was the other big movie he did? Well, anyway, so they were like, let's give him Star Trek. Yeah. That's his constant. Uh, thank you so much for all your help, Stuart. It was basically give, a- uh, give this to uh, Clemenza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he didn't even want to do it. Knew nothing about Star Trek. Had no interest in learning anything about Star Trek. And uh, this was not a recipe for a successful motion picture. No, you wind up with things like just the the sheer, and this has nothing to do with Stuart Baird. This is all John Logan. I put it at his feet. Like the sheer amount of technobabble in that movie and the things that don't make. I still remember the phrase Theralon radiation and mm. everybody trying to act as though that was scary and that meant something. Like, what is that? What does that even mean? It's Theralon like, radiation. Day, the most damning don't you thing. Know. I, don't you know? Isn't your job? Uh, the most damning thing about that film is I saw it again. Remember, ten times in one weekend. I really don't remember what happened in it, other than like um, Theralon radiation. radiation. Oh my god! It's so funny you say that. I, I like you. I'm also not a fan of, of Nemesis. And I remember when I was interviewing um, uh, uh, Rick Berman for the book. Um, and we we're talking about we finally got to Nemesis, and you know you you, you know you're you're an impartial. You just want to get people to answer questions. You 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 know you you don't you're gonna win. And so we get to Nemesis. We start talking about Nemesis, and uh, you know I was so appreciative to him for his time. And you know I'm, I'm a big I have a lot of respect for for Rick actually and what he accomplished. And we're talking about Nemesis, and I'm like you know so so you know, tell me about that. And you know when did you realize you know basically that this movie was going to be you know a disaster or whatever? I asked because well you know I actually. Uh, I think Nemesis is quite good, and I don't understand why there's all this hate for it. And I really think that if we had not come up against Fellowship of the Ring, and the, 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 that it would have been a big success. And I think it's the first time in my career I ever said, I said, really? <laughs> <laughs> Was your next question, 
Did you see the final movie? What <laughs> did you see? I mean, you know, he did. I mean, look, he's responsible for so much that's great about Star Trek. And, and Rick could have easily said, you know what? I was in control of Star Trek for a long time, and I had to cede my control on that movie to the studio and to Rick, I mean, to, to uh, Patrick and to Brent to get that movie made. He could have easily said that, which is probably more accurate than anything else. But now he's like, I think that movie's pretty good. <laughs> it's like, oh. to, to speak to how many times you saw it, I think I've bought it about that many times, but I've still only watched it once. Wow. <laughs> okay, so you're way worse Blu-ray, at economics than so I it's... Okay. I saw it once in the theater, and then, of course, like you, you know, bought the DVD and then the Blu-ray. I, I also did not watch it. And about, I don't know, six years ago, for whatever reason, I'm like... You know, I've only seen this movie once. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember. Mm-hmm. I should I should watch it. And I watched it. It's like, oh yeah, it was before I started working on the book because I hadn't seen it. <laughs> and I needed to see the movie uh, again because I hadn't watched it. Uh, you know, other than the one time there, I'm like, oh, this movie is as bad as I remember it. It's like this is terrible. Mm-hmm. I never went to the theater to see it. Really? Uh, I did what you wanted. I stayed away. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I finally saw it on on home video. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I will say it at times it is a it it looks good. Like but it just it doesn't it doesn't hang together. And this is the the thing that blows my mind, right? We're talking about Stuart Baird, who's one of like the great editors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would think if there's a dude who can save a movie in post and he would be motivated to save his own movie, it right. would be Stuart Baird. So I, I can't go yeah, well, the real problem is like there were a lot of like the the things they they looked really nice, but it just wasn't cut yeah. together very. What it's Stuart Baird, yeah. right? How does he again? How do you f that? And, up? I mean, there are plenty of stories about how bad he was with the actors. So yeah. I, think, I think that's probably part of it. But a big part of my problem with that are story elements. You know, right. it just ignores so much about Data's backstory. Right. To actually dis- discover the new the new brother, and, and the, the, the basic premise of the movie that they have a clone. Of Picard. Why? Why do they have a clone of Picard? <laughs> Why yeah. would they possibly want a clone of Picard? <laughs> and it's two movies. In case the first they half the is first this Data B4, B9, 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 B9 right. whatever. And it's kind of like, okay, whatever. And we do the off-road racing thing with the truck. Yeah. And it's like, oh, bad. <laughs> you know. Picard off-road racing is my favorite game for the game. <laughs> I can play that all day long. It's like Mario Kart. And, and then it becomes a completely different movie with this. this yeah, exactly. Why... Oh, we want Khan. What could be our Khan? Oh, it's Picard, but and it's not even him playing himself. It's like we're right. gonna get an actor to play him, and he's a Romulan, and he's a Romulan Civil War, but he needs Picard. It's like he's got oh, a very unclear motivation why? and need. Yeah, nothing makes any it sense. Makes no that sense. was the first appearance of the Remans, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's just right. Romulus. Okay, I get it. Uh-huh. Remans. Yeah. 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 Who are the miners? Who are like the you know? All you had to do is not miners. All you had to do is with an E. All you had to do was give them some filter masks, and they yeah. would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been like cloud miners. Yes. So yes, the cloud miners. Oh, oh, it's it's, it's just, just terrible. It's, and it's slow, and you know, a lot of these movies, you look back and you say, oh, you know, even the bad movies have great scenes in them. Yeah, you know, we talked about this, but no, I can't it's, think it's of bad, anything in Nemesis. But I can't think about it. Nemesis, anything that I like about it, and I think at the time people said, oh, well, it's probably the worst movie next to Five. But five is Ew. so much better. Yes. And, and, and people conflate, oh, yeah, Digital Domain did good effects. 
you know, like when the ships crash. But that doesn't make it a good movie. No. And that scene where they steal a spaceship and like are going through the hallways yeah. of the run. But yeah. the, the, the everything's built oversized, so right. they yeah. can do that set yeah. piece, and it makes it's no sense. No sense at all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, stupid. God. Just you stupid. Tr- Go away. Stupid. I mean, I would nominate that honestly as the worst mm. ending for Trek of all time. Period. Hands down. Well, that's what we're doing on the show. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, Not we're, just for me, for all time. Oh, for all time. Well, I, I will. Um, well, I guess that brings us to me, and it's <laughs> it's really tough because you know you brought up Nemesis, which would obviously have been my pick. So <laughs> it's, it's an easy one. Uh, it would not have been Counterclock Incident, I must say. Um, so I'm going to say, um, well. It's very, it's very difficult for me. I find it difficult uh, because I love the show so much. I love – this is one of my favorite Star Trek shows. I think for most of its run, it was groundbreaking and brilliant, and yet I feel that the finale is a total mess. And you're probably going to disagree with me, which is what we leave behind, the Deep Space Nine finale, which I think is atrocious. I hated the whole Paw Wraith uh, storyline. So watching, you know, uh, Ben Sisko grappling with uh, Gold Ducats and, you know, I, I, I'm just not, not a fan of it. I haven't watched it in a long time. Maybe I watch it now and say, hey, it's not as bad as I remember it. But I remember just feeling it was, especially after how successful All Good Things was, mm-hmm. how great it was in terms of honoring the characters and the seven years and calling back to everything that had happened. I mean, it's, well, I guess I'll, we'll probably end up talking about All Good Things. Um, when we talk about successful endings, but I, I just am not a fan of the Deep Space Nine finale in any way, shape, or form. So, um, you know, in addition to Nemesis, that would be that. W- I guess that would be my ending missed missed opportunity. Beyond the farthest star, a war rages on. Prepare to engage the enemy at the edge of the final frontier. It will be a glorious battle. The fate of humanity is in doubt. Millions of people are dying. One man's destiny awaits. Promise that you'll come home to us. One last battle has begun. What do you say we end this war? The end of a legend is upon us. A television event for now and forever. Witness the two-hour series finale. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the final chapter. Yeah, I can, I can see that too. Uh, and, you know, when you get to that, that last episode and the, the stuff with Golda Kotz, a little bit hard to take. It's like, boy, who is this guy? I thought we learned who he was, and then we don't know who he is, and it, it's less than satisfying toward the end of it. And then uh, you got kind of like the, the, the drop into the pit scene, and then I, I agree. I, I think it's one of my least favorite Deep Space Nine episodes, oddly and, enough. And this is coming off the brilliant sixth season. Yeah. And seventh also has some of their best episodes. It's a little less. It's not quite as good as five and six, but there's some great I, stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, I think it, it suffers from what had been a really great build-up during the last season, and you, you were expecting more in that one, and you didn't quite get it, and you don't know what happened to Cisco, and you're left wondering what happened to Cisco. And, yeah. Especially for, I think, for a really good finale, 
it needs to be satisfying for somebody who hasn't watched every episode. Mm, it needs right. to feel like like a, like a capstone. And I mean, part of the problem is that DS Nine was so episodic. But that episode is nearly impenetrable to somebody who hasn't right. been watching yeah. really closely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I, the the core problem with that episode, and I and I, I was disappointed by that episode. I, I don't, you know, um, I don't, I don't feel as strongly about it as you do because when I look at it, what I see is um, is a is basically a massive structural problem that was an easy fix. Like the structural problem of that episode is, it's it it rises too soon and it falls too quickly, right? It sort of rises, it falls, kind of tries to build back up because it tries to wrap up the Dominion War and everything is good. And then all of a sudden now you're back into like, into the Pa-Wraith, like, you know, yeah. um, the the prophet story. When those two things really wanted to be aiming at the same target point in the story, mm-hmm. both of those things wanted to be building at the same time and they wanted to talk to each other and they just don't. And what you end up with is you get like, okay, yeah, we won, cool. Although it feels a little truncated with the Dominion, you get your celebration mm-hmm. and you're kind of in this emotional place where suddenly now you have to restart yeah. the show and at a very late point in time and you can't quite get behind it. I think the other thing, what we left behind, um, I think the other thing that hurts it is, and you know, we've talked about this before, you know, was some of Avery's uh, Avery Brooks's qualms about how to end it, mm-hmm. about um, you know uh, his feelings about how Cisco um, should or should not uh, leave his son behind, and and kind of some of the the politics of that that I mm-hmm. think you know led the conclusion to his story to become a bit inchoate uh, and, and really tough to get our arms around. Good and feel use of that word, by, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like your vocabulary word. word of the day is inchoate. Yeah. Um, it was a really hard task to try to try to try two strands together. The Minion War and the mm-hmm. the Paw Race story seemed like two entirely different two entirely different series at that point. Mm-hmm. So, but, and trying to bring them both together was really that that was a tall order. Well, and also, you know, what's interesting too is they had a lot more freedom than say on Next Gen. Next Gen, you know, they knew there were going to be movies, so you couldn't suddenly have Riker go off and be in command of another ship and scatter them to the four winds or have Picard retire or become an admiral because you, you knew you were jumping in the movies. Deep Space Nine had the luxury of knowing there weren't going to be any movies. <laughs> you know, there were, it was, that was the end of the franchise. Yeah. You know, other than comic books and, and novels, they were done, you know. And uh, so they could do anything. And, you know, I do think that, you know, sending Odo off back to the Great Link and, you know, killing off Cisco and all that stuff, you know, in, in that sense, it's kind of more unsatisfying, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, Next Generation ends on a much more hopeful, optimistic note, like they're still out there and they're still boldly going where no one has gone before, whereas Deep Space Nine is a little more depressing and maybe that filters into sort of the perception of it as as well. I mean, it should be lauded because it is a little more ambitious in terms of, you know, sort of really ending the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just not, a, I'm not a fan of it. And, you know, I just was such a fan throughout the series of uh, Mark Alemo as Gul mm-hmm. Dukat and what they kind of did to him. Kind of became it, a caricature in that life. Uh, he yeah. kind of, he really did. And it was just like, you know, ultimately, you know, him and Cisco, you know, and Kira, there was such a great relationship between those characters. And when you just turn him into this like evil possessed mm-hmm. guy, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it just, I felt that was a huge misstep. Yeah, what saves it for me is uh, at least, I mean, look, when you talk about Nemesis or you talk about the end of Enterprise um, or Turnabout Intruder, we don't 
really recognize the characters in those stories at all. It becomes impossible for me to embrace them. Like it's, you know, I'm the, I'm, I mean, my God, man, it's like I even find insurrection like at least watchable. Sure. Um, because I recognize the characters and I embrace them. It, with what we leave behind, I, I felt like in spite of those structural story problems, Cisco is still recognizable to me. Kira is still recognizable to me. Like that main cast, I still kind of love them, invested in them, um, even if, you know, what, how it all wrapped up mm. um, wasn't as satisfying as I think it needed to be as a story, even if it's going to be sad and depressing, which is cool, man, but right. like, but make it sad and depressing in a satisfying way and that I think is where it failed but at least I didn't walk away from it feeling like oh my god who were those people other than Gold Dukat right right yeah mm-hmm. okay so that that's our our take on worst endings should we do uh, uh, best beginnings now or you want to do the best beginnings never made or should we do or should we do best endings let me cover at least the, the one best ending that's yeah, that yeah, we're all talking about is this is you know the I think probably one of the best TV finales ever, which is yeah. all good things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. look, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in, I think we're in, all agreed. In, yeah. a, in a medium yeah. in which uh, TV rarely sticks the, the landing. I mean, everybody talks about how awful the end of Lost was. Uh, the Sopranos is very divisive. Uh, Seinfeld was uh, eviscerated for its ending. Right. You know, I think you know, other than Breaking Bad, you know, the the the, the show that people talk about sticking the landing more than anything else is uh, a New Heart is right. is is uh, <laughs> Next Generation. All all good things and deservedly so. It began with an incredible journey through time. I am going to be the cause of the destruction of humanity. Now, the past, the present, and the future are about to collide. We are defenseless. And the fate of all mankind depends on one man. We can't stay, Captain. We have to. Everything depends on it. Goodbye, Jean-Luc. I'm going to miss you. But then again, all good things must come to an end. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Are they basically the same ending? New Heart, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> You're gonna wake up. It was up so ingenious uh, the structure and the way it bookended the series. And some people have said that uh, I may have said it at one point um, that uh, it would have been it would have been great if if uh, All Good Things had been the movie and uh, the movie had been the last episode of the uh, uh, show. I don't believe that anymore. Right. Because the problem with having All Good Things as a standalone movie is that it relies on so many uh, things from the show yes. that you're familiar with. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you can't have a movie that requires the audience to know the yeah. TV show So dependent well. on backstory. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. It's reshooting scenes from the, the pilot. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I think that because of that, because it sort of takes all those threads – into its own tapestry of uh, of uh, wonderment, um, <laughs> it it is very it is it is very uh, satisfying to see all these things that you've you know had you've been before, but they're all sort of coming together and wrapping up in a nice little package. Mm. Yeah, my pet peeve on a on a TV finale is always a contrived reason to separate your cast so you get fake sadness. Sure, I hate that. It, it leaves it so often, and the fact that All Good Things doesn't do that. How does it end? They're still the crew. They're going off to the next adventure, and that's the way it should be. Right. My, my pick for the the next best finale on TV is Angel. The ending of Angel. Great. They stay together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fight the dragon. I don't want them to walk it's away a sadly. Great finale. Yeah. Yep. 
And it leaves you wanting more. I mean, remember when that aired, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe the show is canceled. I want to see more yeah. of this. Counterpoint, MASH finale. MASH finale is great. Yep. With y'all. MASH finale is great. It was a baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It, it wasn't a chicken. <laughs> yeah. It was an impossible person. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Folks, MASH was a TV show <laughs> that was on in the, in the 70s. <laughs> Old people liked it. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, I, I, I realized after I said, by the way, you, uh, the, the Deep Space Nine finale, you know, the other. Thing you could say it was the worst finale is uh, Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they didn't know it was a finale. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, well, well, that's neither here nor there. So all good things clearly um, was a, was a great finale. And it's it, the it, one good finale. Yeah. Out it's of the all one good finale because you know the Voyager finale, whether you're a fan of Voyager or not, is pretty much all good things, but not as good. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of all meh things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, um, yeah, so uh, would, would you argue that, like, a lot of people say, oh, Terra Nova is the real ending of Enterprise, the two-parter with Peter Weller? I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that kind of fits in with the idea that that, that that whole deck episode was not really intended to be the final episode. It, it, would, it would have ended on that note of the holodeck makes you think, oh, this was all just a simulation. It, it feels much more like a, finale, like a, like yeah. a proper finale, yeah. Okay. Would it surprise you to hear that all these finales actually did happen on the holodeck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Okay, so let, let's talk. Let's talk uh, beginnings. As we said, it's a very yes. delicate time. So let's 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 delicately talk about um, Star Trek beginnings. And uh, since you guys started us off, I think we'll start with Ashley. Um, um, so literally, from from the the best to not as great, uh, emissary. The mm. Star Trek Deep Space Nine pilot, mm -hmm. um, which I loved. I, you know, there wasn't a lot of Picard in it, but I loved his relationship with Cisco. That we kind of see Picard from this totally different point of view. I love how we meet Cisco. Um, I love how much you know energy and emotion is built into that premise. And you know, it's it's not on some level. Like, oh, it's a show about a guy who doesn't want to be on the show, but that's not really true. It's about it's really a story about. A guy who's who's realizing why he's always wanted to be mm -hmm. in this story and why it has always been his story, um, and it's just incredibly moving. It's you know for the most part, I think that that pilot that show was at least at the pilot stage was incredibly well cast. There were still characters they were figuring out. Um, they hadn't quite figured out Doctor Bashir, but mm -hmm. Doctor Bashir then you know, blossoms into this great character. Um, the action is great. Like it's just super duper smart. I love Emissary, my favorite pilot, hands down. At the edge of the universe, when the future is in peril, got Cardassians on our back doorstep. One man faces an impossible mission. I will do the job I've been ordered to do, sir. To protect a defenseless space station. I don't believe the Federation has any business being here. Command an untested crew. And to relive a deadly encounter. You will disarm your weapons. Next time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Look, that's great. And people forget how great the Rashomon element of Wolf 359 was, too. Oh, yeah. That you were seeing this battle that 
basically had only been suggested by Best of Both Worlds from a different perspective. And at that point, that was like the midway. Uh, well, I was in the midway. It was Pearl Harbor <laughs> yep. of, of, of uh, uh, Star Trek. And so to like, it's funny. I'm thinking it for the first time, but Star Trek 2009, the beginning is basically the beginning of Emissary. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it's so great. That shot of him escaping and leaving his wife behind. Look, looking out the window and seeing yeah. the ship. Oh, it's a great yeah. shot. It really sticks with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, that was directed by David Carson mm-hmm. and beautifully directed pilot. Or was it, it was Rick Colby. No, it was, it was David Carson. Yeah, Rick and Colby. And he did such a great... Rick Colby did the Voyager pilot, which is also a really good pilot. But... Um, uh, really, just emissary is great. I mean, and it, it was completely different and had a different vibe. And it's very smart and very much of the moment. You know, Michael Pillar talked a lot about how it was informed by the LA riots and um, you know bringing people back together. Can't we all just get along? And that was at the very heart of that show. Great, great episode. What are you, you guys, emissary fans? Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the... I remember the time watching it because I was at the, the height of like next gen just being like the biggest thing around mm-hmm. and expectations were very high in Deep Space Nine right. coming into that and that it landed so well and that they weren't afraid to bring in stuff like the the fact that Cisco and Picard immediately don't like each other yeah. and there and yeah. there's and especially because you know in next gen you know it's still in the, kind of the Roddenberry where everybody has to like each other and you get that sense more there's going to be some huff, some rough feelings on this ship right. or on this station but. Yeah. To, to be fair, there was also a feeling of them trying just a little hard to be not Star Trek, you know, to just to, to be a little more sort of antagonistic. Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. But because the writers were chomping at the bit to do that. But yeah. also what they said is very true at the time. Star Trek was kind of at its apex. I mean, right. Next was a huge success. And I mean... It was amazing that Gene had pulled off Next Gen and it was successful and it you know caught lightning in a bottle. But now they were creating a Star Trek series. Gene had passed away and um, it was a big deal. Remember what it was like this yeah. January? Another Star Trek right. show. We're not just going to have one. When it was unthinkable that Star Trek would ever come back to TV, now we're going to have one Star Trek yeah. show. We're going to have two. And supposedly yeah. on his deathbed, Gene gave us his blessing. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Really? <laughs> yeah. And there's also the factor that you know, at the same time you had Babylon Five over here, right? And you felt this like 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 the DS Nine guys had this kind of like, all right, there's another show. It's the exact same kind of vibe. We've got to really make sure ours is great. Both about right. space stations. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, people who don't get along. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and uh, you know, it's funny. Babylon Five at the time had a huge following. And people were very adamant. Like, they were either Deep Space Nine fans or Babylon 5 fans. And they're like, oh, they ripped off Joe Straczynski. And like, I like both shows, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But Babylon 5 has not, I think, Age stood 12. the test of time the way that Deep Space Nine has. You don't hear. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it if you want. Um, you know, the, but uh, also. You've just, you've just had 20 people shut off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All 20 people. How dare you, oh, sir. Look, I mean, it was so ambitious. It was so ambitious and did some amazing things. I'm not dismissing it. Absolutely. I'm just saying that I, I don't think you have. You know, like whatever we're talking about, these space Glorious nine, Babsperts. all this time. <laughs> you know, and like there are, I think there are some Babylon Five podcasts, but look, and a lot of that probably has to do with the special effects. You know, um, sure. uh, you know, not, not you know, Sometimes. dating. Um, also, it's lack of availability for a long time. Right. In fact, there's not a high def version of it, yeah. um, nor is there yeah. of Deep Space Nine. But um, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, that that franchise is. Um, 
but you know, there are people who are still passionate about Babylon right. Five. Yeah, I think their writing still holds up. I went back and watched a few episodes, and a lot of them are just really well written. There's there's a there's a lyricism and a poetry to the dialogue a lot that I love. But I think the biggest hurdle is that that high def issue and those early computer graphics. It just turns people away. And there was a writing issue that they they thought they were going to get a fifth season, and they weren't going to get a fifth season. So they wrapped then, it up they, in the they, fourth. They, they yeah. wrapped up early, and that really kind of messed up the entire story. Well, arc and in I also a lot of ways. think that's a show that would have really because that was extremely serialized, except the first season, yeah. which, <laughs> really, which really would have benefited from a shorter season. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, t- it felt like he was spinning plates for a long time, yeah. and and if they could have eliminated some of those standalones and just stuck to the war against the shadows and all that, st- you know, and done ten episode seasons, thirteen episode seasons, I think that would be an extraordinary show. Yeah. Okay, so the emissary now, Darren Dockerman, what's your pick? You know, I'm 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 wondering which is the which is the perceived start of the cage. <laughs> but it's not. It is. But it's not because no. it doesn't have it's Kirk a, and Spock in it. It's, it doesn't matter. It's the beginning. That's oh. where it started. It's the pre. It, there would I'm... have been nowhere. No man has gone before without the cage. There would have been no man trap without the cage. What did viewers see first? Or where no man trap has well, gone before. Viewers saw the man trap first. But that's Ooh. not. It's endings and beginnings. Where did it begin? That's what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> a beginning depends on your point of view. From a certain point of view. <sighs> When, and when you watch uh, Where No Man's Gone Before, it clearly came first. You can just, by looking at it, so yeah. that's the beginning, obviously, yeah. of Kirk and Spock. Who cares? It's The Cage. The Cage <laughs> was the first episode produced of Star Trek. That is, is the beginning. That is was, where it but, started. But it didn't work, so they had to replace but it. But it doesn't matter because that was the beginning. <laughs> that's where it started. Well, The first yeah. time they ever rolled cameras, he's saying, don't hit the, the table. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hit the table. I'm sorry. sorry. I didn't mean to hit the table. Mark. I'm going to say that if you're going to say that um, the cage is the beginning of Star Trek, then it it wouldn't have gone. It it would have been dead right there. The and that would have been we're not talking about what would have been the worst. A series. We're not talking about what would would you know allowed them to build a franchise. We're talking about what was the best, the most entertaining, the smartest, the best, the most competently done, the most creative, the the, the most compelling. Yeah. What begins? That's where no man has gone before. <laughs> oh come on. Okay. Let Look, that be your pick. Beca- let that be your last. Let that be my field. last pick. <laughs> <laughs> the reason is because. Jeffrey Hunter, while being a very good actor, is not a TV star. Well, I know all this. We've had He's, this conversation. I know. That's what I'm saying. Who's on first? <laughs> what? <laughs> the the magic of William Shatner in Where No Man Has Gone Before. From frame one, we've... T- oh, we've my got- God. Scott Mance is back with us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They're gonna from t- frame t- one. Don't worry, they're all gonna have your back on social. Altman was an asshole to Doctor Men, and I don't know what's with him. But Darren is such a sweet man, and Truth. why would he be a jerk? Truth can't be silenced because he doesn't like Carly Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your pick is where My no man pick has is gone where before. No man has gone before. Captain's log, star date thirteen twelve point four. The next mission of the Enterprise takes us into an unknown force field which affects the destiny of my closest friend. I understand you least of all. Gary told me that you've been friends since he joined the service, that you asked for him aboard your first command. It is my duty, whether pleasant or unpleasant, to listen to the reports, observations, even speculations on any subject that might affect the safety of this vessel. It's like a man who has been blind all of his life, suddenly being given sight. 
Sometimes I feel there's nothing I couldn't do in time. Some people think that makes me a monster, don't they, Jim? What would you do in my place? Kill me. Because it is, um, it is the quintessential Star Trek. Because it has just enough action. It has good characters. It has a, a good science fiction story at its core, and it's it worked. Question. Yes, Mr. Altman. <laughs> Should really then the beginning be considered the man trap though, and not see that that's that's also where my mind was, mm. and I think because. Where No Man Has Gone Before is so different, and it obviously looks like it took place before. Mm. I think it has to be the starting point. As a uh, kid, in my mind, it felt like it was earlier. Yeah, I always assumed that was earlier. Yeah, because mm. because different it, uniforms. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I assume it was a botanist. Strange, but when I was a little kid, as whenever that episode would come on, yeah. it just confused the crap out of it me. Was, because it was almost it was different. from a different show. Yeah, almost. It also has that favorite joke where they're on the planet and they go, oh, Captain, we sent down that phaser rifle we asked for. Yeah, I didn't yeah, ask yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Spock with a phaser rifle. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, okay, so that's your pick. That's my pick. That's uh, his pick. Okay. Um, now now we come to me because then we're going to go to the Tiptons. Well, or, or you could ask people's opinion on that pick like you have for everybody else. So what was your opinion on that thing? Approved. What do you guys think? What do you think of this uh, where no man has gone before stuff? Well, that was actually going to be my pick. Oh, okay. ah. the Galactic Which Barrier. Which wires were you talking? Oh, okay. Well, we'll, okay. Well, what do you mean? We'll, no, it could still so. be your pick. I, I think it's still a good pick. And, still be a pick. You, you could, you could, I think you could pick that or the cage, and I think right. you could make make your choice. And I think that's a pretty legitimate pick too. Okay. Well, we'll come back to you guys. We'll see if you want to change it, or you you can you can agree with Darren. That's fine. Oh, no, 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 no. But now we're now we're, now we're going to come to me. So, yes. um, just don't pick our pick. <laughs> well, I, I I could say Star Trek: The Motion Picture. But mm, you could, but yeah. I won't. But you won't because I recognize because... the tremendous danger potential. <laughs> um, now my pick is the cage. Definitely something out there, Captain. Headed this way. Collision course. Steady as we go. But it's only a dream. Which, which, which can't which, we have? Both. Which is the first Can't's time a camera rolled with film that <laughs> photographed a Star Trek episode. And let me tell you, the cage. And I agree with everything you said. We, we, we've talked about it before on the show. Star Trek would not. We'd not still be talking about Star Trek sure. fifty plus years later had the cage. The show continued with Jeffrey Hunter right. as the captain, and all that. But as a piece of one-hour television and of great drama, can't beat the cage. The cage is fantastic. The Telosians, incredible makeup, mm-hmm. great concept, a planet where illusions, the ability to use it, ones rely on their minds or it's their the phones. the enormous power or, of illusion. Or their, the internet. <laughs> They're so busy on Facebook and fucking TikTok <laughs> that they lose the power yeah. to, to, like, actually do anything. That they, you know, they, they, they seed all their... Thinking and, and, and all that. I'm going to surprise you, Mark. I completely agree with you. I, I figured you would. 
and 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 Jeffrey That's Hunter why is we're great yelling. as as uh, Jeffrey Hunter is great as Captain as Pike, Captain Pike as Captain Pike Captain for that one episode. And Whether or not Captain Pike is great is I a different with question. All that. The topic, this, the, <laughs> the, the idea of the show is best and worst Trek endings. What I'm saying is this is a great Trek beginning. So does that so, mean that the Menagerie is the ending? Of the story that begins with Captain Pike? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's clearly. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's one of the best endings. Yes. yes. That's true. That's true. It's you both could say true. the menagerie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you could say that. You unless, could. unless you watch Star Trek Discovery. Oh. The menagerie is the ending of, of Captain Pike. Okay, whatever. Yeah, so, right, no. Not anymore. Not oh anymore. no, maybe it is. No, no it's not. No, you know, and I want to. You know, no, I think it could be. I, no, it's not. And you, you know, and and obviously we don't really talk about Discovery on the show because we have a sister show, right. Disco Nights, that does talk about Discovery. So right. we're not going to talk about uh, Discovery. Except but to say we, that Anson Mount is awesome. We, I think we all can agree, Anson yes. Mount is awesome. Agreed. Okay. Even Absolutely. I. He's 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 terrific. Uh, it's a shame. So Jeffrey. the cage. So it's the cage. cage. <laughs> so there's so much I just love about the cage. I I love. The, the story, I love how we're dropped into this world of, of the Enterprise and even that, that shot where we come through the dome mm-hmm. and we see um, the bridge. It, it immediately establishes um, this world and, and of the 23rd century mm-hmm. that's credible and believable and, you know, this strong captain. And you see a captain, you know, again, it wouldn't have sustained, but who has doubts. Right. You know, it's my problem with Star Trek Beyond. Kirk doesn't want to be captain. It's yeah. the same thing as Pike. He's Captain Hammond. But it's great for the cage where he's questioning, do I really want to be captain? Clearly, he shouldn't be captain anymore right. because he, he doesn't have what it takes. I'm going to test my theory out in your head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I see that to my kids all the time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the battle on Rigel is great. That mad painting is stunning. <laughs> I, I just love it. I find it wildly entertaining. Um, and it also provided the um, uh, the fodder for the envelope, a.k.a. the That's menagerie, right. um, which is, you know. Is sheer brilliance. Is brilliance. You yeah. know, look, whether you love the menagerie or only like it or, you know, what, you have to respect the audacity yeah. that Gene Roddenberry is having financial problems uh, with the budget. You know, the show's way over budget, and he, he delivers the envelope. And he takes <laughs> he takes he takes the, the the unaired pilot with a completely different cast and finds a way to turn a two parter, make a two parter yeah. out of it. I mean, and a bottle it's show genius. All at the same time, yeah. it's yeah. genius. Yeah. So it's a bottle show which has amazing scope because yes. it uses the, the the pilot so well. So you have Rigel and you have uh, you know Orion slave traders and you have all this. And is there a sleazier guy than the guy in the Orion uh, uh, nightclub? Because eh, Captain Pike, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Green Orion slave. I mean, I've been at bachelor parties where there's <laughs> usually that. Thing. I mean, what a sleaze bag that guy is. It's well, there's like, two of them. That leering, there's those two, of two them and they're both like these leering, yeah. like scumbags. Like right. me too would fucking slice them up and kill those guys. <laughs> It'd be great. Those guys are so sleazy. It's horrible the way they just. Ugh. So. Um, you know, it's like Harvey Weinstein there, like at the club. It's like, yeah. would it be worth a man's soul? <laughs> <laughs> but that is such a fantastic, uh, that's a fantastic episode. So that would be my pick for uh, uh, best uh, Trek beginning. I thought you were about to congratulate yourself on your pick. <laughs> you know, I must say, that's, that's a really pick fine me. pick. Uh, I must say, good good choice, Mark. Um no, and I, look, we 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 reasoned it out. You know, you you took your pick, and I took mine, yeah, and, and they, never the twain shall meet. Oh, they, they did meet. They both can live in. 
they in both the universe. Begins. They're both great episodes of a great show. Both great beginnings. Indeed. Indeed they are. So, guys, that brings us to you. <laughs> right. so, um, uh, now that we've picked yeah. all of your picks. I will cede my time in saying I agree with Darren on <laughs> uh, that episode. Only to add that even the fact that it says James R. Kirk on the gravestone right. doesn't bother me that much. <laughs> is Gary Lockwood. Gary Mitchell didn't remember. Was really his best friend. His brain was fried by all that power. <laughs> I mean, like, do you know what Darren's middle initial is? I wonder if my eyes were all tinfoil like that, maybe. <laughs> if I had the Mitchell powers. I mean, like, I use it on all my, my uh, bylines and on my credits, so you know it's Mark A. Altman. Right. But, like, would you know? I mean, you use Darren R. Document a lot and yeah. Ashley Miller, but I have no idea what your middle name is. <laughs> no clue. I have a name. And, and your pick? Oh, my pick probably is your pick, too. I don't know. My encounter at Farpoint? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, tell us why, because, you know, obviously that's another episode that a lot of people, you know, um, divisive. You know, some people say, oh, my God, this show is never going to be about anything. I think it sets up. Star Trek Next Generation remarkably well, and it does something that the other um, Star Trek pilots don't do, is it comes back around at the end in a way that right. that the others cannot do. Yeah. And there are so many things in Star Trek um, Encounter at Farpoint that I really do like. There, you, you get the introduction of Q. There are scenes like the Data and Riker and Wesley scene in the holodeck that are great for setting up a character's... That, that, that moment of them with, with the, the whistling, the Tin Man references and the whistling... Mm. You, and you get to understand data in that one scene yeah. so quickly and so effectively in a way that I think... And they don't develop as much in the next like, six episodes. Exactly, really. yeah. And uh, I even like Groppler Zorn. I love Groppler Zorn. <laughs> <laughs> You've done what you asked! Yeah, I've, I've Please, no! Michael Bell, by the way. Michael Bell, <laughs> have an apple! <laughs> I, I think it does a great job of setting that series up, and it, it's also particularly unique in the way that to come back around seven years later and to wrap it up and call back to that yeah, initial right. episode initial episode which is fantastic and also to, to premiere with an ensemble cast that was that strong mm-hmm. and even really they weren't all given as much of a spotlight initially the casting for next gen is unprecedented to, to do that twice and the first time it really was just Kirk and Spock and then day players but they get a full well, don't cast don't forget D. Kelly that yeah. was great yeah but, right. but but that wasn't until like a little through the season to come in at the very start with a fully a fully yeah, formed yeah, yeah. and, and the difficult task they had in front of them is everybody was expecting well we know what these characters are like from the movies you guys are doing something new we don't like that yeah and they, they were up against that from the beginning so you know everybody would think well these aren't gonna be the characters we know and it was a hard task to get through that. And, and, yeah, people forget how much people were, were waiting for that. Had show their to fail. knives out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Waiting yeah. for it yeah. to yeah. fail. And that, that's why even now people still, I think, disproportionately dislike the first season of Next Gen when it's not quite as bad. People like because no. those knives are still out. <laughs> All okay. these years later. They, they, but... say, they say without Kirk and Spock, you don't have me. And 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 then people watch begrudgingly with their you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was Star Trek. Whether it was good Star Trek, mm-hmm. I think it's a great pick because it has all the Star Trek elements and even the message at the end where they've imprisoned these animals, these creatures, the solar starfish, and you know they're getting uh you know uh all the, the power for the outpost uh, you know and then ultimately we free them. Yeah. I mean it's a very Star Trekian concept. Mm-hmm. Not to mention it is also a very underhanded way to uh, promote the Q conflict, which comes out <laughs> in hardcover this month, uh, because, of course, Q was introduced in that in the uh, the wraparound or the envelope that Gene Roddenberry created, mm-hmm. uh, because it was not in DC's original script. Uh, yeah. and, and then he added Q, and Q became the armature for the series. He always came back just when you needed him. Yeah, they never overplayed him, and every time he came in, it meant, you know, 
this is an important episode, mm-hmm. and it's one. It's, it's the most Roddenberry kind of element is to mm-hmm. throw in like an angry god. Yeah, or or a smug god, <laughs> a smug god, or a god who is a, a small boy, perhaps <laughs> who is a very smug small boy. But you know what you love about that character too of Q is that you know Next Generation you know clearly did not have the humor of the original series, and but however whenever they did Q, probably with the exception of Hyde and Q, which was that probably one Q episode we didn't need. Um, what where he's going to turn Riker into a god? I decided to recruit you to uh, uh, godhood. But it has uh, the pig things. It has the pig things. The Napoleonic yeah. pig things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah on planet hell, uh, <laughs> which we put in the Q conflict. By the way, oh, did you? Yes. That's so funny. Um, did you also include the Q virus? We did not include the Q virus. No, we did no. not do the Q virus. And, and you know, it's so funny because Q never works as well in Deep Space Nine or Voyager right. as he does in uh, Next Gen. There's just this incredible chemistry. I, I think Farpoint's a great pick, actually. You know, we're not talking about, like, the greatest episode of all time. We're talking about best beginnings. And it really sets the tone for that show, the, the, the framework for that show that would endure for seven years. It actually doesn't agree. Look, I, I, I don't want to completely, you know, just crap on it. But I, but I will say that... My first view of the Enterprise D, right, was like, I think Entertainment Tonight did a report. Yeah. And I, like, when I knew that was coming, I videotaped that so that I could watch that little blurb again and again and again. Anything that showed up in the news, like, that had anything about this new show, right? Like, remember, there was, like, this thing, like, in USA Today about, like, the new show and, like, there's Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Like, what is that? All new Enterprise. What the hell? It's all new. (laughs) I mean, I was... Jazzed, I was into it. I was ready, man. Like I, I cleared my calendar for when, uh, for when Farpoint premiered. Like that was what I wanted mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. watch. And while there are things about that episode that I like, like I love, like I kind of love the scene with Doctor McCoy. I you know, do. You, you treat her like a lady. She always bring you home, right? I love that. I love like the Picard, you know, uh, speech to Riker about like. You know, I'm, you know, since a captain is supposed to project an air of congeniality, you know, it's like that whole mm-hmm. thing. I, I dig all that. But I ultimately think that um, I don't I don't know that it is really all that good. Um, but it's it, not about best in the sense. No, of, no, I totally yeah. I totally get that. Uh, but I don't know that the next generation truly like I, I don't even know what I would say. Like this is the moment when I felt like it, it found its footing. I just don't think that Farpoint was like was the moment that it all sort of came. But you knew who show. Picard was. It yeah. sold you on the concept of a bald, a bald French captain who spoke with an English accent and you bought it. <laughs> yeah. Right? It sold you on okay, and then there's this guy who's the Captain Kirk wannabe. You know, and 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 uh, the fact that uh, and 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 that there's a counselor, a therapist on, but what? Right. And she speaks with this weird Russian accent. Like, what's that? And yeah. and and I said it's great joy. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, and, and, and the whole idea of like, and there's going to be this Quester knockoff, and it's going to be really cool, played by this great musical theater actor. <laughs> and it's Brent that Spiner. kid from Stand By so, Me. But but by the, yeah, by by the end of it, you like you knew who these characters were. You know, yeah. so it, it and it teed it up, and you didn't think, oh my god, they're just doing. A repeat of the original series. They're right. doing something new yeah, and different. Right. Next week on Star Trek: The Next Generation, a virus turns everybody's fantasies. That was ridiculous. I mean, to do the naked now as the second episode was one of the st- height of stupidity. If, if that had been the end of the season, season no one would have I don't think. But as yeah, the, the, the wow. second time off, yeah, it was, was too much. That was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, but I think it's an interesting pick. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. don't think they would argue like if we were doing ten greatest episodes or fifty greatest, fifty one greatest episodes, you wouldn't necessarily say Encounter Farpoint. But for best Star Trek beginnings, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, listen, this is this is a great discussion. I, I didn't know if we could get through a whole episode, and I could discuss this for another hour. But, let's not. But well, let's not say we did. <laughs> so I want to thank the Tipton Brothers for once again joining us. Their new uh, collection, the Q Conflict, is out in hardcover edition for the holidays. And um, uh, they'll be announcing a new uh, project very soon, which we're anxious to hear about, and they'll tell us about off air. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, follow them on. Where can we follow you on social? Uh, I'm at uh, Scott underscore Tipton on Twitter, and I'm David underscore Tipton on Twitter also. And before I say goodbye to these guys, I want to say you are absolutely right about the Intellivision version of Zaxxon. <laughs> you know, that is, I mean, it's like, I don't know what happened. I mean, I wasted so many quarters in Zaxxon, the arcade machine. This was like the first 3D thing and just trying to figure out how you could get over that first wall. Yeah. That was a bitch. I mean, Intellivision's not even diagonal. It's not, no, and then no, the Intellivision version, I was so mistake. excited when it came out on television. I'm like, Zaxxon's coming. <laughs> you know, I finally I don't have to waste all these quarters, and it had bare, bore no resemblance to the actual Zaxxon game. No, so. that's me. I've been tweeting pictures of my Intellivision collection. So, <laughs> well, you know, I, you better watch out. I'll start tweeting pictures of my Odyssey Two collection. Um, Quest for the Rings. Okay, um, and Ashley, thank you again. You very nice to come back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I hope after today's show you will return again. I, I will. To return to this place again. Uh, and Darren, it's life for lifelessness. Uh, you know, and thank I, you. And I, I think that was a great pick, by the way, where no man has gone before. And I think your pick was pretty good. <laughs> well, thank Hug you. it out, boys. No. <laughs> thank you for joining us for Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like the 430 Movie every Friday with featuring Ashley, Darren, and myself and Steve Melching, which is, a, if you haven't listened to it, you should. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's really entertaining where we curate fantasy theme weeks. There's The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday, and Best Movies Never Made every other Monday also Please check that out. It's a really terrific show about um, movies that never saw the light of a projector bulb with filmmakers and uh, film critics talking about movies that never got made. And uh, they've just covered some really great stuff recently. I think they just did Commando 2 recently. And um, it's always always entertaining. The Halloween 3D episode was a real winner, too. Um, you can also uh, watch our video podcasts uh, of your favorite Electric Surge podcasts on Electric Now. Get that on uh, the Electric Now channel on Stir. Um, or the um, uh, Distro TV app, and you can follow Electric Surge on Facebook. So if you want to see the latest Electric Surge schedules and podcasts and new other announcements, please hit like on Facebook at Electric Surge. And uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It always helps to attract new listeners. Um, which uh, I don't know if you want to do that to a friend, but, uh, <laughs> you know, most of these people are strangers. So finally, a uh, very special thanks to Bill Ritter. Bill Ritter, our, our genius sound mixer, sound re- recordist, uh, man who makes us sound so great. So, Bill, what's your favorite Star Trek pilot? Oh, okay. No, jeez. No? Okay. I mean, um, Least favorite? The first show I ever watched was the one that you don't want me to say, the, the man... The man trap. Tra- tra- You're allowed to say that. Nobody's saying... 11, yeah. that, that would have been the first show I saw. That's right. Okay. Great.
Well, when we wrap the podcast, we'll bring you some salt. And, uh, uh, you know, Natalie, uh, I, I, I don't suppose you have a horse in this race. I don't. Okay. <laughs> Thank you to our, our producer, Natalie Miscali, again, who, I, as I often say, uh, has uh, puts up with us. And uh, I can't imagine what it's like to listen to these podcasts and, and not care at all about Star Trek. So uh, really special thanks to her. I think we owe her a big, big Christmas gift. And uh, special thanks to Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. Thank you, Dean. It's very exciting to see the Electric Surge Network uh, really starting to take off. You've supported us on audio and now with the video podcast. It's taking it to a whole new level. So thank you. And with that, all I can say is keep on trekking and gloriously, of course. Engage. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.